Welcome to Grace This Weekend. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, if we've never met before, maybe this is your first time here, uh, maybe in the building or maybe you're watching a live stream, just want to say thanks for being here and uh, thanks for being our guest, taking the time to stop in. Lots of things you could be doing on Sunday morning. So especially if this is your first time with us, uh, thanks so much for popping in. But uh, we started a series just a, a handful of weeks ago even this whole fall semester that we're kind of in right now, we said what we're going to do is, is kind of take the fall and dive into defining what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, we said that uh, today, that definition is very murky, and it continues to get more murky, right? So, so does following Jesus, is it a political thing? Like, do I need to get wrapped up in that whole conversation and, and understand how it affects politics? Like, what is that all about? And, and it's, it's gotten unclear what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we said, we want to take some time and really give some definition, describe what it means to be a follower of Jesus, go all the way back to the Bible and ask some foundational questions and said, if you could describe what a Christ follower looks like, what would that description sound like? What would it look like? And so we said, we're going to, be, we're going to do that all through the course of the fall. And um, we started that in a series we just finished up a few weeks ago. And in this series specifically, we're calling See Differently. And this one is all about our worldview. And so our unique view of the world as followers of Jesus. So we're going to take a look at that lens and say, what does it look like? If I were to see through the eyes of a follower of Jesus as God prescribed it, what would that view of the world look like? What would the priorities be? How would it sound? And we know that worldview is going to come kind of no matter what view I take of life, no matter what belief I have, it's going to create a specific worldview for me. So if I look and if I say, you know what, I don't believe in God. I don't have a faith. That's going to create a unique view of the world for me. I'm going to view my lifetime in a specific way if I say that. Right? If I say, I don't, I don't believe in God. I'm going to think that this life is all there is, so I better make sure I have as much fun as I can because, man, I don't know what's going to happen after this. Right? If I say that money is the goal of life, right? making money, accumulating riches, hoarding wealth, if that's my view of the world, then I'm going to view my time and my opportunities and my relationships through that lens of accumulating and amassing wealth for myself. That's going to be a unique view of the world. If I, if I were to say, you know, life is about avoiding pain and embracing pleasure, then I, I might play it safe. I, I might just kind of keep it steady, keep my head down a little bit. And I just want to get through life and kind of have a normal, safe existence, right? And if I were a follower of Jesus, there's going to be a different worldview. It's not going to be like any of those other worldviews. It's going to be unique to itself because it's based off God and his perspective of life and his perspective of the world. And so we started this conversation uh, just last weekend. Pastor Jeff kicked us off, and he, he led us into a conversation about our faith. And we said, if we're going to see differently, it really starts with our faith. What do I believe about God, about Jesus, about the Bible? And as I anchor in that faith, that's going to begin to form my worldview, right? My, my unique view of my life, my opportunities, my relationships, and everything that I'm going to be a part of. And so what we're going to do today is we want to advance that conversation into a conversation about teachability, about teachability. So one of the unique things about a follower of Jesus is that because we believe in God, we will remain as people who are always teachable, who are always coachable, moldable, always in a place where we're growing and changing. And there's some foundational beliefs that would kind of put us into that place. Let me show you 
one of them. This would show up in Isaiah 55. We looked at this verse briefly last week. Here's something that God would say. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So one of the things that God would do is he would help us to see, and we would believe this, that because he exists, because God is real, because he's created everything, He's created humanity. He's created the stars and the world and everything that exists. He holds it all together. He is infinite. He's above my perspective. And I am finite. I'm limited. I'm going to live maybe 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 90 years on the planet. I'm going to have a unique perspective of the world. I'm never going to be able to see as, as high or as far as God can. I'm always going to be limited in my perspective, in my view. So I'm always going to be in a place where I'm going to need to be teachable. I want to tap into God's perspective of the world. I'm going to be teachable and listen to what God has to say. Why? Because he can see higher and farther than I can. And no matter what I do, I'm never going to catch up to all of what he knows or how much he can see. Right? So no matter what I do, no matter how much I grow or learn, I'm always going to be in a place where I'm going to need to be teachable, moldable. And so we're going to look at this a little bit, and basically what we're going to do the rest of our conversation today is describe teachability. So Ryan, if you spend some time kind of breaking out, what do you mean by teachable? We're going to spend some time talking about the difference between what it means to be teachable versus unteachable. And if you ask the question, hey, if I find myself unteachable, how do I get my heart and my mind into a place where I am teachable. So that's what we're going to do. Kind of break that down and look at some different definitions of what it means to be teachable versus unteachable. Okay, so we're going to fill this chart out together on our nice handy whiteboard, and we're going to have some fun with it, right? So unteachable is going to be this column, and then we're going to fill on this side. What does it look like to be teachable? And here's what we're going to do. We're going to see that there's a different position of heart in the, in, the, in the life of someone who is unteachable versus teachable, right? There's a different mindset, right? There, I'm going to think differently. I'm going to have a different approach to life through my mind if I'm unteachable versus teachable. And then there's going to be a different attitude, right? Does this kind of look like me? Right? It kind of does, right? I look a little bit like an emoji. I've been told that, right? So there's going to be a different attitude between these two, and that's how it's going to work. And so we're going to look at each one of these pieces and ask the question, what is this difference between being teachable and unteachable? And I just want to tell you this before we even dive into it. I'm going to present these like it's a black and white thing, like, it, like it's, you're either teachable or you're unteachable. The reality, we all know this, is it's more like a spectrum, right? That, that I'm going to find myself somewhere in between teachable and unteachable, probably in any given category. So as you're hearing this description, maybe think of it from that lens. While I talk about it in kind of concrete terms, you might think, oh yeah, I kind of see myself on maybe a, a spectrum between the two, right? So let's talk about it. Let's look at it and see where it leads us. So we're going to talk about the position of our heart. If I'm in a place where I'm unteachable, I'm going to have a closed heart, I'm going to have a closed heart. We're going to talk about what that means. If I'm in a place where I'm teachable, real simple, I'm going to have an open heart, right? I'm going to have a heart that is eager, that is open to the things of God. I'll show you this passage real quick. I was reading uh, through my Bible reading plan a, a few weeks ago, and I came across this verse, and I just loved it. It's great. It's by uh, King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. So King Solomon would have uh, written this 
couple thousand years ago, and he would have been the wisest man on the planet, right? Full of wisdom. He's a king, and, and he makes this profound observation. He would have written, have you ever heard of the book of Proverbs? It's a book of wisdom. Ecclesiastes actually is as well. And here's what he's going to say. Ecclesiastes 4.13, we'll put up here on the screen for you. It says, better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. I'll read that again. This is better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. So Solomon's going to look at this poor kid that's got some wisdom, he has got some teachability, and he's going to compare it to a king who has all kinds of resources, all kinds of power. And everybody reading this at this time would have known that the king, a monarch, would have certainly been able to make any decision they wanted. Unlimited resources, unlimited money, unlimited finances, unlimited influence. He can do whatever he wants. And this poor kid, no money, right? no influence, but teachability. Right? He's got a teachable heart. He says he's going to look and say, that poor kid that, that has nothing but has an open heart is better off than that, that old king that has lost his ability to hear a warning, has lost his teachability. He, he can't take it in anymore. His heart has become closed. He thinks that he's got the world and life by the tail. He's no longer able to access God's perspective of life anymore. He said, boy, I, I'd rather be that kid than that king. Fascinating, isn't it? We talk about having an open heart versus a closed heart. What we're talking about is being open to direction in the words of God and the influence of God in my life versus being closed to it. Say, so, Ryan, what, what do you mean? What does that end up looking like? I think this is how it might look. Sometimes being closed, being unteachable, looks like just a straight-out refusal to interact with the Bible, even to the point where we might argue with it. Right? If I find myself arguing with the Bible, I probably have a closed and unteachable heart. If I find myself saying, you know what, God, I know better. I'm going to argue with your words. I disagree with your perspective. Even though I'm finite, even though I'm only going to live right, a handful of maybe a hundred years on the planet and you're infinite, I disagree with your perspective. I'm closed to your perspective. Sometimes it's not that extreme. So sometimes it's a refusal to do what I know God has said that I should do. Right? I might look and say, I know what God says about that, but I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. I disagree. So sometimes it's even less aggressive than that. Maybe I'll go to church. You know, I'll, I'll listen. I'll go through the motions of it. I'll, I'll sit through and maybe I'll even read my Bible, but I have no intention of actually putting it into practice. I might read the Bible for knowledge so that I can argue with people or read the Bible for knowledge so I can show off, but, I, but I'm not actually going to be in a place where I am eager and open to hearing from God, where I'm going to run to God's perspective on things like my marriage or my finances or my purity and say, God, what would you have me do? How would you have me live I want to know your perspective. I'm teachable. I'm open, right? I'm like this poor but wise youth. God, I don't have much, but I want your way, right? So, so somebody who's teachable is going to run to God's perspective on things like sexuality and the way that we would define our sexuality, 
And we're going to say, God, I, I, want, I want to understand. I, right? I, everybody wants to know, how do I interact with sexuality? Well, I'm going to run to God's perspective. I'm going to find God. Okay, you define sex in the confines of marriage. You say that's between a man and a woman. You say it's an awesome gift. But outside of the gift of marriage, it is dangerous. It can harm me. So maybe if I'm dating or I'm engaged, and I mean, I feel like being with my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and it feels right, and God would want me to be happy, and I feel like we should be together, and it just all works, and uh, somebody who's unteachable would look maybe at God's perspective and disregard that and say, you know what, we're just going to do what we want to do. Somebody who's teachable would look and say, I want to heed a warning. I want to lean into God's perspective on this one. Right? So somebody who's unteachable is going to look at things like our definition of money, and we're going to define our interaction with money based on God's approach to it, right? We're going to say, okay, God, everything you've given me is a gift from you. You give me the ability to produce wealth. I want to interact with my money based on your definition of it. I'm not going to view it as mine, as something that I can accumulate and grow with my own power and interact for my own selfishness. I want to interact with it the way that you would, Somebody who's teachable might look and say, you know, I see these trends in my life. And I, I keep doing the same things over and over and over. God, change me. Somebody who's unteachable is going to look and say, well, you know what? That's just how I am. Always been that way. You don't like it? Deal with it. Right? That's a closed heart, a heart that is not open to changing and growing. And most of us, myself too, we can kind of see where we are on that spectrum, is my heart open or is it closed today? Am I in a place where I'm, I'm showing up and I'm eager to hear your words and be changed by you? And even things like coming to church. You know, do I show up at church today and ask the question, was Ryan or Jeff good or do I show up ready to hear from God and be changed by his word today? Two very different approaches. Two very different approaches. One right, puts, puts myself in kind of the, the critic seat or the driver's seat. One says, God, I am here to hear from you, be changed by you. I want to grow and become more like you. Right? This is an open heart versus a closed heart. Now, this next one is a fascinating one that I've really seen jump in a big way and I've been challenged by in my life. This is the difference between having a distracted mind and having a focused mind. I'm going to show you this from the Bible here a little bit. Having a distracted mind, if you're taking notes, jot this down, versus a focused mind. This is something that Jesus would bring out in a big way as he had a conversation with some friends of his over a meal. Let me show you this real quick in Luke chapter 10. So maybe you have a Bible with you. Uh, go ahead and grab that, open that up. And uh, if you don't have one with you, not a big deal at all. You can grab them in front underneath the, the chairs there. Open that up to page 725 in those Bibles. Or maybe uh, just open your app. You can follow along there as well. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, Jesus is going to hang out with a couple of his good friends, Mary and Martha. They've got also another brother named Lazarus that would show up in a different story. And a uh, fascinating thing. Let me read it. We'll talk about it for a minute. So Luke reports this. He says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. 
She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? I love it. Tell her to help me. This is great. You know you're not in a teachable place when you're telling Jesus what to do, right? It's like never a good thing. So Jesus looks at Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and you're upset about many things. He's like, oh, oh Martha, you're, right, you're stressed out, okay? You're worried about all these things. He says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. See this little scenario play out, right? Two sisters. Martha's got a great idea. She takes initiative. She looks at Jesus, and she's like, Jesus, you want to come over and have a meal? What an awesome thing. She totally did that, right? She knocked it out of the park. When Jesus is walking through the village, you should invite him to lunch. That's an awesome thing to do. But in the midst of doing that, her sister Mary somehow dials into the person, Jesus, listens to his word, and Mary sometimes somehow forgotten all of why she initially got into this. Right now she's frustrated that Mary's not helping her. She's stressed out about making the preparations. And what's interesting to me is she's not doing anything really wrong. She's just making a meal, right? She, what's the big deal? She, she's just gotten distracted. She's lost her focus on why she's doing what she's doing. And Jesus helps kind of reorient her to the situation. Somehow Mary is able to push away the distractions, to focus in on what really matters and to dial her heart into Jesus, which is what it's all about. I was thinking about this uh, this last week. My, my, I've got four kids, and um, our kids in our house is just kind of crazy, right? They're all between five and ten, and so there's a lot going on in our house all the time, right? There's just children. Our kids are homeschooled. We're like one of those weird families at homeschool. We make our own pants, right? It's awesome. That, that's not true, <laughs> but it'd be cool if we did, kind of, right? But like, Right, we homeschool, and so uh, we're, we're teaching one of our kids how to read right now. And um, in learning how to read in a home of six, you know, with there's four kids, all it's like no joke. It's a real thing to try to focus and dial into learning how to read. So one of our kids that especially uh, struggles with distraction, she she's begun to practice something all of her own initiative. I, I this actually happened this week. So she's trying to read, you know, and then a kid walks by, and then another kid walks by, and there's a snack, right? Snacks are always distracting. So she's like, whoa, right? So mom's helping her. And then she decides to do something all by herself. She starts, she starts to go like this as she's reading her book. She starts to put the blinders up, you know? And, she, and then she starts talking to herself. And she says, mind, work, focus, right? And then she goes from here, and she goes like this. I was like, I love that. That is awesome. What a great thing to do, right? This is what Mary's doing. Mary's like, Jesus, I'm with you, right? She's dialed into who Jesus is, and she's tracking with him. Mary, Mary's not doing anything wrong. She's just distracted. And what I've found, I feel this personally, that distraction is one of the biggest challenges to being teachable. This is true in my life. I've been really affected by this quote. I, I ran into this a few weeks ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since. I thought I'd share it with you guys. Put it up here on the screen. This guy named Richard Clark said this. He said, maybe the most prominent and seductive modern-day myth is the assumption that we have an unlimited amount of attention. I'll read that again. Maybe the most prominent and seductive modern-day myth is the assumption that we have an unlimited amount of attention. So, 
as life continues to get more complicated for us, right, as there's more social media apps, nothing wrong with them, right? There's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's Snapchat, there's all, you name it, right? There's notifications galore, nothing wrong with them, there's just more. As the kids come or college choices come and there's homework and there's exercise and there's this and that, right? There's all kinds of stuff. What happens is I start to put all those things on the same shelf, the same priority level, when I look and say, man, I got to work out and I got to pay my taxes and I got to pay my bills and I got to raise the kids and I got to make sure the kids are good at sports because they got to be professional athletes because we all know that's going to happen, right? And I got I to make sure that my career advances and I got to do all the things, right? And oh yeah, I got to follow Jesus. Like put that on there too. What happens when that distraction of all the other priorities come in is I lose my focus. It's not that any of those things are wrong or bad. But what happens is when, when second things are allowed to rival the one thing, in the margin, when the margin that it takes to chase down the most important thing is sucked up by all of the second things, I'm in trouble. I'm distracted. And I find this in my own life, man. This is a, this is a big challenge for me because I, I've got responsibilities just like you do. I've got kids. I've got lots of kids. You know, and I got people, I got things to interact with, and so do you. So I feel the pressure of, and the draw to make the preparations, right? To do all the things, all the, the second things. And what I'm having to find more and more is if I want, I want to be in a place where I'm focused on Jesus, and to do that in my life means I'm having to say no a little bit more often. I'm having to say later. I'll check it later. I'll turn it off. I got to go. Nope, I'm doing this. I, I want to push away the noise and say, Jesus, I'm focused on you. I want to hear from you. And guys, I'm just telling you, for me, that is a brutal and a real fight. That is not simple, and I don't always win. Uh, but I, I want to be here, right, rather than here. I, wanna, I want more and more Mary in my life. I want to dial into it. Here's what I put in my notes. I don't think I put it in yours. I said, what often happens is the margin in life that it takes to pursue the first things is sacrificed on the altar of second things. That's what happens. All the things feel like they're of equal importance. And in reality, Jesus would say, actually, there's really one thing. If I'm going to see differently, I need to see through that lens. The one thing as a follower of Jesus is Jesus. The other things, they're going to take care of themselves. Jesus would say, seek first the kingdom of heaven. All these things will be added to you. Take care of it from there. Right, so we're looking at a heart that is open versus closed, a mind that is focused rather than distracted, and finally, an attitude that is humble rather than proud, right? An attitude that is humble rather than proud. This is such a big deal. It's going to show up all throughout the Bible. Such a simple thing, but the attitude of kind of, of my disposition towards life is going to be massive. Look at what James says, 121, brother of Jesus, at least earthly speaking, says, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. All right, when my attitude towards life is one of humility, when I'm humble, when I want to accept the word of God planted in me, what does that look like? 
Well, it looks like me being open and wanting to grow, being longing for people to speak into my life, to take in the words of God. Right? When someone confronts me, that's usually a good litmus test of where I am in my attitude. When someone who, who loves me pushes into me and says, hey, have you thought about? I'm concerned about. Hey, have you considered? Right? When, when rebuke or challenge comes into my life, how do I receive that? It's a great test. Do I look back and say, you know what? You, you, you confronted me wrong. I critique their approach. Or do, do I say, you know what? I need to take a good hard look at what you're saying. You love me. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not, I'm teachable. I'm open. I'm humble. I want to receive from you. And I want to grow. Or is it a pushback and a defensiveness and a fight, right? Or, or am, I so, am I so proud that I'm not even sure if people would feel comfortable talking to me about a challenge in my life? It's good questions to ask. What's fascinating to me is that if anybody, if anybody ever had the right to be proud, it was Jesus. Jesus of all people had the right to say, you know what? I got it figured out. All God, all man, and here's the kind of things that would be written about him in the Bible. Jesus grew in wisdom and favor and stature, right, in favor with God and man. Jesus, as a child, would grow in his wisdom. He's God himself, and he would develop over time. And then he would find himself saying things like this, right? They would, Jesus would say himself, I, can't, I don't do anything on my own accord. I only do what I see the Father doing. Luke would report that Jesus would regularly go and pray. God himself is praying. Why? He's recognizing his need as a human and as God himself. He stays connected to God, his Father. Why? He's humble. And he models for us the kind of humility that we're to walk in. I don't have this figured out. I'm not there yet. In fact, I put in your notes this way. I said, for the follower of Christ, there's no room for arrival. For the follower of Christ, there's no room for arrival. I'm never going to get to a place, no matter how much I learn, no matter how much I grow, I'm never going to be at a place where I can say, like, check, done. I figured out the following Jesus thing. I don't, I don't have anything left to learn. I don't have anything left for God to change me in. The reality is that if I'm still on the planet, there's still growth that can happen. I want to remain open and humble and teachable. The scriptures would say that God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Okay. I think we're getting our minds around our hearts around it. We look at what it means to have an unteachable heart and mind and attitude. Right? I'm closed, I'm distracted, I'm proud, I'm teachable, I'm open, I'm focused, I'm humble. If I look and say, man, I find myself more on this spectrum, if I'm honest, than this one, the question might be, well, how do I move what might it take in my life for me to go from, from here to here? It's a great question. I'll show you this real quick. When I was a, a kid, a young adult especially, um, people would often tell me I was like a sponge, you know, because I just like to learn a lot. I've always liked to learn. And I always thought that was a, a cool thing, a compliment that people would say, Ryan, you're like a sponge, man. you just like take all this stuff in. I was like, that's cool. And as I thought about it, though, over kind of the course of the years, what I recognized that being a sponge is great. It's an important thing. Um, we need to do that. 
But what matters even more than being a sponge is taking in the right things. You know, I got to take the right stuff in. We're talking about moving from a place of being unteachable to being teachable. What we need to look at is, I want to look at the reality of what happens as I walk through life. As I, as I walk through this life, what's going to happen is I'm going to end up being filled in this life with all kinds of opinions, right? With all kinds of convictions. I'm going to end up being filled with my own pride. I'm going to end up being, being filled with distractions. There's just so much going on. And if I wanted to stay distracted every day for the rest of my life, I totally could, right? I, I, could, I could do whatever I want just to keep my mind off of anything that actually matters. And what happens is I can fill myself completely, right, with, with things that have nothing to do with God, filled with my pride, filled with my distractions, closed heart. And what, what happens when I do that, I have no room left within me to actually take in any of God's direction. I have no room within me to, to take in his word or to be changed. Why? Because I'm, I'm full of me. Right? I'm full of my culture. There's no room for it. So I might every once in a while I'll say, you know, I, I want to take my life to the next level and I want to see, I want to see some more growth, but that, that I'm full of myself, but I might, I might want to add a little bit of church or a little bit of Bible to myself, right? And so then I'm, I, I take my my full sponge, my full life that's full of me, and, and I go to church with it. You know what happens? Nothing. I walk away unchanged. Right? I show up at church or I read the Bible. Right? I have some access and some exposure to the words of God, but I'm so full of myself that I look just like I did before. There's no change at all. And I might even conclude, well, this doesn't work. I tried following Jesus. It didn't work for me. Well, here's the thing. If I show up and I try to go to church and I try to read the Bible and I try to go to classes and I try to I do some things, but I am full of my own opinions and my own distractions and my own pride, it's never going to affect me. It's never going to change me. So what, is it, what has to happen what has to happen is I have to start to kind of squeeze out all this stuff in me, right? I got to release my own pride. I got to admit, God, I don't have this thing figured out yet. I, I need a new way. This, this was me at 19 years old. I had never heard Jesus, never gone to church, had no idea what there was to offer as far as forgiveness for my sins, and a buddy came and he told me about Christ. And I looked and said, man, everything that I've filled myself with is not the answers I'm looking for. I, I got to release this, right? I got to let it go. And this is looking at us saying, I, I want to let go of my distractions. And I want to make second things second things and make the first thing the first thing. I want to release my pride. Stop arguing with God. Right? I want to squeeze all that out of myself. As I do that now, man, now I'm teachable. Now I'm in a place where I can be changed. It can become something different. So now with a heart like that, when I interact with God, 
when I show up at church, when I read the Bible, when I take in my life circumstances and I look and say, God, could you be teaching me something right now? Even something like showing up here today, I might look and say, I'm open, I'm teachable, humble. God, are you trying to do something in my life with that kind of heart? And I walk away different. I walk away changed. I start to look more and more and more like the God that I serve. It changed from the inside out. Guys, this is how this thing works. It doesn't happen just once. This happens over and over and over in my life. At least it needs to. I don't think we ever come to the point where we're done. Slimy. (laughs) How do we do this? How do we make a shift from being hardened and closed and distracted and all over the place to being kind of focused and dialed in and open and humble. I think at the end of the day, it starts with a decision. More than anything else, it it starts with a concrete decision to say, I'm done with that. I don't want to be like this anymore. Somebody who says, I want to follow Jesus, has basically said that. I I don't want to be this I don't want to be close. I don't want my own way. I don't want my own pride. I don't want to be filled with my own distractions. God, I want to follow you. But even in my life, I, f- I find that I have to keep making this decision. I was talking with a friend last night after services. I don't think I'm ever going to stop having to make that decision over and over. So whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or a little bit, or maybe you're just investigating, it ends up being the same decision. I release me. God, forgive me for my distraction, my pride. Let it go. I want to be open. I want to be changed. I want to move where I am right now. I think that's the first one. I recognize there's a real decision to make. And when I'm open, that's where the resources start to really help me. Resources don't help at all if I'm closed. You guys, we, we introduced this app last week. If you were here, you probably used it. I want to introduce it to you again if, if maybe you're here for the, the first time. But if you open our app, click on Bath Campus, go to the weekend services part, and there's a discipleship assessment. You fill that out, and here's what we decided to do. We said, listen, we can tell you next steps, and we can do that all day long. It's even better if you kind of self-discover them. Right? So if I, if I land a decision and say, I want to be like this, I want to be teachable, now that, that assessment will help me to take some next steps. I'd love for you to grab your phones real quick, open that up, look at it real quick, and, uh, and, and even in the next moments, fill out those couple questions and they'll help you to really move. I'll tell you this. Um, I got the privilege of being on the team that built those resources. If you take advantage of those resources with an open heart, you will move. You will grow. I got emails already this week coming back from people saying, it's only been a few days and I can't believe the difference already in my life that these, these next steps are helping me really see my, my life in Christ catapult, right? Move, move forward. It's huge. So take a minute, fill that out, wrestle our hearts with God and ask the question, am I teachable? Right. We're going to do that. So I want to have the band come out. I want to pray for us. You can fill that assessment out here as we worship and sing and pray. 
wrestle with this whole conversation. Where am I today? Right? If I define myself kind of along that spectrum, God, help me see where I am. Father, we want to say thank you. God, thank you that you don't leave us in a place where we're closed off to our own thoughts and our own beliefs, our own ways. God, you draw us to a place where you cause us to be open. You did that in my life. You continue to do that. God, thank you for your mercy. God, that, a, that a broken dream or a painful event can actually be used by you to draw us back to, to your heart, to a focus on your kingdom. God, we want to give you our attention, our focus, and we want to be changed by you. So God, we pray that today. Lord, change us. Move in our hearts even now. Help us to be the kind of people that are eager and open to be changed by you. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for loving us first.